You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Yes, Much Better Thank You. So I told a story the other day about a friend of mine had a mild stroke, ended up in the hospital. Doctor said the guy had been smoking and drinking for 40 something years. And the doctor said, if you don't quit smoking and drinking, you're gonna die. He believed him, quit smoking and drinking at a family gathering. Brother-in-law looks at him and says, I heard you quit smoking and drinking. I bet you feel so much better. And he said, no, I don't feel better. Now, why did he not feel better? He had been smoking and drinking for years. Why he had been smoking and drinking for years? He liked smoking and drinking, right? Why do people smoke? They like to smoke. Why do they like to drink? They like how they feel or whatever. Now, at some point, it may kick in and destroy their lives and kill them. But if you make a decision to stop doing something that could ultimately kill you and you've let your body say, okay, this is normal, we need this. And I have another buddy who had to smoke and drink because it was a hand thing. He'd go to a party, he'd have a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand, and he was, you know, he couldn't talk. So if he put him down, his hands were just like, you know, he didn't know what to do with his hands, right? He, he just had this thing going where he'd take a smoke and, you know, just part of his shtick. So we talked a little bit about if you say, okay, God, I trust you and I'm gonna follow you, And then he says, okay, we're going to make some changes for the better. But initially, you are not going to necessarily feel better. I went back and did some research about withdrawals, about detox, just caffeine alone. Let's say you said, I'm cutting caffeine out of my life. I know no one's interested in this, but at least we're going to talk about it. Listen to what happens if you shut caffeine down. Headache, fatigue, decreased energy or activeness, decreased alertness. Drowsiness, decreased contentedness, depressed mood, difficulty concentrating, irritability and feeling foggy, not clear-headed. You don't want to be married to that. You know, either way that goes. So people get addicted to something like caffeine and then they don't have it. And it's all that breaks out. You go, wow, what's wrong with you? I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, they get back at you because that's one of the symptoms. Um, So you say, well, who would give up caffeine to turn into a monster? Because eventually you're not going to be that monster. Other symptoms, other like drug addiction things, insomnia, irritability, changing moods, depression, anxiety, aches and pains, cravings, fatigue, hallucinations and nauseas, hot and cold, have goosebumps, runny nose. Anybody ever had any of these symptoms I'm describing? Bunch of liars. Okay. Um, we'll talk. That's another sermon though. Um, Here's some more symptoms, muscle tension, racing heart rate, difficulty breathing, tightness in the chest, profuse sweating, headaches, nausea, vomiting. This sounds terrible. Why would you quit anything that induces that? An addict going through detox. Here's another list of things that comes with that. Irritability, social isolation, depression, feelings of extreme loneliness. Depending on the severity of the addiction, the addict suffers from intense cravings for the substance to numb the emotional trauma of detoxing. So you say, well, I became a Christian. They told me it was all going to be great. 
it's going to be great, but initially it may not be. And part of the reason we are so huge around here about discipleship is that if a person becomes a Christian and there is no parent there, there's no one there to help that newborn Christian, what happens to every newborn Christian almost 100% of the time if no one's there? They go back. They're on this high. They pray. They cry. Whatever they do, I got Jesus. I'm going to heaven. It's all going to be okay now. And then they go home. And They want to do the same old things. And then the devil says, well, if you're such a hot dog Christian, why are you smoking weed? Why are you back to drinking, smoking, whatever you're doing that's destroying you? And they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I didn't mean it. Maybe I didn't do it. And so then this is what's nuts. A person can get saved and then blow through 20 years, 30 years. You say it's not possible. Someone is supposed to be there to raise that child. Now, I had godly parents. They did the best they could, but I had no one, I had no one there to talk to me. Now, I'm going to, I know we got kids listening and watching, so I'll try to, to be really careful with this, but on a very kind of cut to the chase personal level, when my systems went live sexually, I needed another man to talk to. I had no one. So then what happens? The average man goes into dark secrecy. All these desires, you want to do these things, you want to see these things, you, you know, and so you, you embark on this journey and there's no one to tell you, hey, dude, if you fill your head with that, it's going to destroy your life, right? Where are the men? You say, well, why aren't there men like that? Because too many times the dad who's supposed to help you is struggling too and he doesn't want any questions. So get your stuff together so you can help someone. You say, but if I stop these things I love to do, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be one of these lists. I'd rather not be that list. But then you're a prisoner of war. You're not in a position to help anybody because you're living this secret life, hiding. I'll read you some verses about that. You know what? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is where this whole thing got jacked up. The universe created Adam and Eve in a garden, talking to God every day. Everything's great. And then this serpent shows up and offers them options, and they bite, literally. So they sin, and if you go down to verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So what is the first thing you do when you sin? You cover. You start trying to cover up for what you did. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. So you cover, then you go hide. Look at what little kids do. They do something wrong. Sweetie, where are you? Sweetie. They're back under a door somewhere, you know. Did you? No. No. Right? What did you do? Nothing. Nothing. Right? (laughs) You know, they're guilty. They are sin. You know, it's just all over them. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Where do you think you're going to go and hide from God? Right? It's like little kids doing this. You can't see me. You know, just because you can't see me doesn't mean I can't see you. Of course, you can see us. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Not because he didn't know where he was. He wanted to see what he would say. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
And he said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, these are just pretty simple questions. What is the answer to that question? Yes, sir. What did he say? The woman started hiding, blaming, covering, no responsibility. Let me tell you what grown-ups do. Take responsibility for what you have done. It is no one else's fault. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. It's not my fault. How are you going to resist this? And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent. Everybody's pointing to somebody else. Even the woman won't take responsibility. The serpent deceived me and I ate and here we go. And so what have we been doing all this time? So if you are not a believer, become a Christian. God, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died on the cross, was buried, raised from the dead to save me, to rescue me, to give me eternal life, abundant life. Come live in me right now. Save me. I'm good. Come on. I want you in me. He comes in. You receive him. Then what do you do? Take responsibility from then on. Get somebody around you. Say, God, send someone. Show me. Help me spot someone who appears to know what they're doing in regard to following you, and I want to get with that person and let them help me, or I'm not going to make it. I'm telling you, it's not going to go easy if you don't get some help. And then once you engage in this process, yes, you're going to experience some pain. Yes, you're going to have withdrawals, detox. But if you will go through that, I read one article that said in some of these detox, if you can clear two weeks, two weeks, you start feeling better. Anybody going to give me a witness that knows what I'm talking about? I don't want to hear you've heard about this. You personally have been through this and can attest. We got some hands up. Go to Psalm 103. Now, I understand we don't want to suffer. And this is where this gets completely lost. I want Jesus to suffer for me on a cross, but I am not interested in the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't want anything to do with suffering. So let him suffer. Don't ask me to suffer. And he says, yeah, but if you'll trust me and you'll hang in there and get some accountability, I would be without accountability. I am a complete disaster. When I meet a man and there is no accountability in their life, I get really nervous about the guy's life. You say, well, what if he's just doing well and he's been doing well for so long? Oh, well, maybe, but then he's in accountability with someone who needs him. You never get to the point where you don't need somebody. Psalm 103, a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he gives us reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What is the devil offering you that has helped you in any way? Hey, let's go cheat on your wife. That'll make it great. Let's go cheat on your husband. Let's go steal something. Let's go shoot somebody. Let's go do some fool thing. The devil offers you all this. And how's that worked out for you? It doesn't work. So then what does God offer you? Forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? The devil's trying to get you to sin, not forgive your sins. The Lord forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. You say, well, God didn't heal my diseases. I went to the doctor. Where do you think the doctor got his brain to do what he does? Even if the doctor doesn't acknowledge God, he does not have life and breath and a brain without God. Oh, but he found some medicine, you know, in a leaf. Who do you think made the leaf? It's all traceable to God. 
who redeems your life from destruction. We have a couple stood up today, I think it's 41 years. First 10 years of their life were a disaster without getting into details. It was a mess. He got saved, two weeks later, she got saved. It's not been perfect since then, but it is better. He has redeemed them from destruction. And that's why they can bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, crowns you with loving kindness, tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. If God dealt with me according to my sins, I would be dead, nor punished us according to our iniquities. This is Old Testament. There is no chance in heaven or hell that I would have made heaven without Jesus. I know for a fact I deserve hell. I deserve punishment, hell, death, whatever he could mete out. And then Jesus shows up. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So I have these conversations with him along the way. I'm like, Lord, I'm a grown you-know-what man. I know better. What's wrong with me? You're God. Why do you put up with this nonsense? And then you read this. He says, because I'm merciful. And I know you are butt dust, as I put it. Um, (laughs) You say, well, is that some excuse? No, he's God. He looks down here and it's all he's got. And why would he come after any of us? I don't know anybody. Oh, well, he's a really nice person. She's a really nice lady. I can see why God would want to come rescue them. There's none righteous, not one. And so he's patient with us. Respond to his mercy. Respond to his patience. Respond to his kindness. New Testament says it is his kindness, it is his gentleness that leads us to repentance. So at some point you would think he'd just wear you out and and he'd say, look, what have I got to do for you for you to know I care for you and that no one is going to take better care of you than me? The devil's not on your side. He's not on your inside unless you're possessed then you can't be a Christian. So why don't you let me take care of you as a father pities his children? And we go, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. I'll be here when you get back. Or if you're a Christian, I'm here already. You just won't yield. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. So whatever your tribulation, he's there to comfort you. You say, Lord, I can't do this. You're going to be okay. I miss my cigarettes. I miss my drink. I'm, whatever it is you, the flesh has said we got to have, and you say, nope, we're not doing that, and you're suffering. You say, Lord, I can't do this. He says, I'm not just with you. I'm in you. You're going to be okay. Hang on. And so he comforts you in your tribulation. Then look what happens. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So it's not just about me. 
Oh, I've got all these problems and God took care of me. It's like, okay, yeah, and I am comforting you in your troubles. Now, when you see someone else in trouble, I'm expecting you to do what I did for you to them with that same kind of comfort. And that's Christianity. That's the church. That's the body, right? So you say, well, I don't want to go through any trouble. There's no way around it. We do stupid things. Bad things happen to us. You're going to have trouble. And he's going to comfort you, and he's going to put you in a position to comfort someone else. Unless you're a selfish two-year-old that says, I don't want to have to do anything with the church, and I'm going to get away from these crazy people. You're the crazy person. We're trying to figure out how to survive on this planet together the way he intended. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Paul's been given some thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. And so God says, look, he prays three times, take it away, not taking it away. He says, okay, if it's not going anywhere, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So if being all this stuff that I think causes me to be weak is not, I don't think that's good. But if God says it's good, then it turns out when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Okay, bring it. We're trying to get rid of all the obstacles, all the problems. And we think, oh, I'm going to have this perfect little life. You're not doing anything. Galatians 5. This talks about verse 16, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then we talked about this the other day, but verse 22 says the fruit of the spirit. Now you may not be interested in this, but if you're a Christian and you clear the suffering, the intense suffering in the initial stage and say, okay, I get it. This is part of the process. When you finally get up on your feet, your legs up under you, where you can walk in the spirit and say, okay, God, whatever you want, whatever you say, I'm in. Then the fruit of the spirit, not that other list of adultery, fornication, all this terrible stuff. The fruit of the Spirit is what everybody in the world seems to be after. Even the Beatles, I think, were after this. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That starts popping off the branches of your life. That's a different life. A life where you don't hate people, you love people. A life where you have joy, where you have peace. I had no peace. I cannot begin to tell you what having no peace is like and then having peace. The peace of God, the peace with God. It's just unbelievable. You got shame? He can take care of your shame. But I did this and I said this. He can take care of your shame, your guilt. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, go down to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's the him? God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. First of all, you have to believe he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. From time to time, my wife will lose something in our home. And she is very persistent. She might disinter the whole place to find it, and she will not rest until she finds it. She searches diligently, and God says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I am going to seek him. I'm going after him. I'm going to figure out who he is, what he thinks, how he thinks, what he likes, what he doesn't like. I'm going to seek him, 
And what happens when you live that kind of life? He rewards that. By the way, if you seek the devil, he'll reward you too with death, with death, destruction, pain. James chapter 1. So, and again, I'm not reading you all the verses in here. This is just a few. James 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren. So this is written to Christians. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So you fall into a trial. You go, yes, another trial. Who responds that way? You'd be a lunatic or a really strong Christian who gets it. We got a trial. Okay, joy. That's the response. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why would you count it joy? He doesn't just say do it. He tells you why it works. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when this process kicks in, you count it all joy. You know God's up to something. And when he gets done with whatever he's doing, you are perfect, complete, lacking nothing. You got everything you need. All because you counted it joy on a trial. Now you say, well, what does a trial apply to? I don't know. What does a trial apply to? What kind of trial you got going on right now? And if you counted it joy, because if you don't count it joy, there's no patience with it. And if there's no patience, patience doesn't get its perfect work. And then you're not complete. You're lacking all kind of stuff because you won't engage. So think about what your trial is right now and say, okay, wait, Lord, I'm into it already. But I tell you what, I'm going to try your way. I count it all joy. What's this about? I know what it's about. Show me the patience. Let the patience have its perfect work so that there's a reason. So we don't waste this trial. I don't want to waste this trial. 1 Peter 5, go read 1 Peter 4. We read that the other day too, but 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. How do you know when you've met a mature Christian? There's a lot of indicators, but this is one of them. You know they suffer. And you look at him and go, you're going through some tough stuff. You go, yeah, you seem very settled. How'd you get there? Just back into it. He settles you because he's strengthened you, because he's established you, because he's perfected you. And that's after you've suffered a while. You go, okay, Lord, new weights on my, uh, on my bar here. Let's do this. You say, well, how much can you stand? He will never give you more than you can stand with him. Don't try to do it by yourself. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. And then the last one is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And this is, this is like every sentence of this is massive, but the first line, verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. If you are born again, you have the power to overcome the world. 
And the basic categories on that are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can overcome whatever it is if you are born of God. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And what is the victory? Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that? The book says that you got to believe that he is. Who is he? He's the Son of God, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And maybe you're seeking him. You pick Jesus. Once you make it to heaven, if anyone were to ask you if you're feeling better, the obvious answer would be, yes, much better. Thank you. And if you clear these sufferings, these trials, one set of them, count it all joy, you do it God's way, where at first someone said, no, I don't feel better. Then you say, you know what? Yeah, much better. I feel much better. Thank you for asking. It's working. My life is not without suffering, but it's also not without peace, without joy, without rejoicing, without trusting him, without having faith that he knows what he's doing. And there's a reason for allowing it. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.